When you're acting as your doodle's teacher during training, do you know their learning style? Take our exclusive fun and free quiz to find out at thedoodlepro.com slash learning and make training more fun and successful. On today's episode, I'm going to discuss with you why there is an issue with doodle hate and anti-doodle bias. I'm going to give you a brief rundown of the current state of affairs and how we got here. As this is such a rich topic, I could do an entire podcast on just this. So I'm going to try to keep it brief to just catch you up on what's going on with the doodle hate trend. Doodle breed dogs are easy to love, but can be challenging to parent. I'm doodle expert Corinne Gearhart, also known as the Doodle Pro, and I'm here to help doodle parents have a more fulfilling and rewarding experience with their doodles. No one has professionally worked with as many different doodle breeds or has more experience with doodles than I have. And I love to share my expertise in a fun, compassionate, and non-judgmental way. From my years of work and education in the pet care and dog training industry, I have an incredible network of skilled training, grooming, and veterinary professionals to share their knowledge with you and give you the doodle-specific answers you're looking for. I hope you enjoy today's episode as I help you parent your doodle like a pro. According to one of the largest pet health insurers in the U.S., National Mutual Insurance Company, if doodles were counted as a single breed, they'd be more popular than German Shepherd dogs, ranking number four after Labrador Retrievers, Golden Retrievers, and French Bulldogs. My research has found that many doodle parents select their mix based on a love for the breed crossed with the poodle. For example, the Bernese Mountain Dog has a tragically short life expectancy compared to other breeds. Crossing with the poodle often extends their lifespan while preserving much of their goofy charm. Or they lost their Cavalier King Charles Spaniels to heart conditions and want to avoid that high risk again. Just as commonly, they're drawn to the friendliness of a golden or the athletic nature of an Aussie but have allergies that don't make those dogs possible without crossing to a poodle. There is no such thing as a hypoallergenic dog, and breeders who claim such are doing a disservice. All dogs have saliva, carry in grass and pollen, etc. There are lower allergen dogs, and many doodles and oodles are fantastic matches. I have been obsessed with dogs basically since birth scrawling letters to Santa, begging him to sneak me a puppy and crayons so my allergic mom wouldn't even know. I explained I'd keep the puppy in my room and there'd be no way her asthma would even suffer. I was devastated when I found my own allergies to dogs were developing and grieved the best furry friends I'd been waiting my whole life to love. It wasn't until I met Poodles and Doodles that that dream became possible. A common refrain from doodle haters is, why didn't you just get a poodle? After having my own standard poodle, who I loved, working with various sizes of poodles and over 25 different doodle mixes across 30,000 hours of direct work with them, I can tell you doodles are different. Doodles give many families with allergies access to the unique breed traits to varying degrees of the other breeds they're crossed with. For example, a golden doodle can often bring a friendlier outlook to a more anxious poodle when the golden and poodle are mixed together. Until we have more breed standards amongst doodles, 
The reliability of the traits or coats in each mix isn't there yet, but I'm happy to help bridge the doodle divide to help bring us closer to respecting each other and working together. Whether it be because of allergies, desire for a cleaner home, or just an attraction to their teddy bear looks or buoyant personalities, new doodle parents are often taken aback when they're rejected by trainers or groomers for service or receive snarky judgment from vets or pet professionals. I have found it to be a form of virtue signaling amongst pet professionals to rage against the existence and popularity of doodles. Just visit TikTok or Reddit and you'll see examples. Many are frustrated at the mismatch that can often happen between these high-energy and high-maintenance dogs and first-time dog owners or young families. But the doodle hate is so strong in the industry, I've had some fellow trainers confide in me that they actually enjoy many of the doodles they work with, but don't say so to colleagues as it's an unpopular opinion in our field. If you're looking for a doodle community on Facebook, You'll find one camp of anti-doodle groups mostly made up of pet professionals and canine enthusiasts like Why Are Doodle People Like This? with 19,000 members. Sorry, but Genetic Dumpster Fire is not a recognized breed with 19,000 followers. Or Did You Brush It With a Spoon? Or Why Are Doodle Breeders Like This? etc. In these groups, you'll see valid frustration over heartbreakingly pelted and matted coats, but also overall disdain and mockery. You'll see quotes like, another doodle owner that makes you seriously question humanity, and I wish all doodles would burn in a fire. Amongst doodle fan groups, you'll also find wire doodle haters like this, service dog training and support for doodle handlers only after feeling rejected from other service groups. A group where we look at why doodle haters are so extra and why are doodle hating Karens like this? Or a do-it-yourself doodle grooming page whose rules exclude groomers as they don't welcome their professional advice. But in those groups, they'll often refute criticism of their dog's mix, but you'll also find groomers attacked and criticized for choosing humanity over vanity and not painfully dematting a dog for hours. Just like our politics, the two camps are becoming more and more entrenched, and the understanding and open communication between them farther and fewer between. This is why one of my missions as the Doodle Pro is to bridge the doodle divide. Everyone in both camps love animals and dogs and want the best for them. I argue this debate is getting in the way of reaching that goal. I bring pet professionals to doodle parents to help them solve their dog's unique challenges, like increased matting, ear infections, allergies, extended puppyhood behaviors, jumping, etc. And I am a voice for doodle parents to pet professionals explaining why they just didn't get a poodle or how some are intent on selecting from ethical, health-tested, and deliberately socializing breeders. I am able to speak to both as a long-time pet professional and dog trainer and as a doodle parent myself. My honest conversation with grooming industry expert River Lee is still my most popular podcast episode to date. She and I were able to honestly give each other's perspectives and deliver some difficult truths about doodles' coat care needs to doodle families. Doodle parents have been shocked to hear this groomer's perspective. Groomers are doing back-breaking work 
with 70 to 90 pound dogs back to back and don't have time to sit for an hour educating parents on coat care and maintenance. I'm honored to help bridge that gap. And those relationships serve both sides. It was a pleasure to visit with Rivers Groomers and share how doodle parents are often told their dog's coat is low maintenance or to wait to get their dog's coat groomed for six to 12 months as it will, quote, ruin their coat. Both are myths, by the way. I'm currently running my free 10-day doodle parent challenge and I asked our challengers about their experiences. Here's some of what they shared. Ginger shared, my first experience with talking to a trainer when Bella was just nine weeks old was her laughing and taunting me about how I chose a demon dog breed that is nothing but horrible. That made me steer clear of that trainer, but those words stuck with my husband as the word of God. So now I'm determined Bella will always be the sweet girl she is. Veteran Ace shares, I choose to get the doodle breeds as my service dogs because of the living situation I have has restricted my breed choices so much that either I get a doodle breed as my service dog or I flat out don't have a service dog. And that means life beyond the mailbox at the end of my driveway basically ceases to exist. Breeder Holly shared, we've had our reproductive vet talk poorly about doodles on social media. I actually have been attacked verbally for owning and breeding doodles, told that I am unethical and that I scam people and I'm money hungry. Farthest from the truth, I give back so much. Heather shared, mostly I receive judgment that it's not a rescue dog. Thankfully, my vet loves Cavapoos and says that the cross helps have a healthier dog than a purebred Cavalier. Carol shared, even some of my good friends shamed me from buying from a breeder and overpaying for a, quote, mutt. Not the vet or a trainer, but friends, which really hurt. I'm a first-time pup parent and have a son that's allergic to dogs. I needed the doodle for his sake and my sanity. I have no background for dealing with a problem dog, and I was also shamed for spending so much. But it's my money, and that's how I chose to spend it. If I had spent that money on a vacation, no one would have cared. Sammy shared, when calling around to get pricing on grooming, I had one salon say, I refuse to groom any kind of doodle or poodle as all of you owners don't take proper care of them and I have to shave them down to nothing because of mats. Keep in mind this person has never met me or Rex. If you're wondering why, quote, doodle haters are so angry, there are a few reasons. The demand and price of doodles has attracted many unscrupulous breeders. If you want to run a puppy mill and make the most profit, doodle mixes are an easy choice. I see that as starting to change, though, for two reasons. First, the market has become saturated. Sadly, many of those mills have seen the easy money stop rolling in and are dumping puppies they can't sell to rescues. Secondly, prospective buyers are becoming more informed and selective. They're asking breeders for their OFA and pen hip scores, if they're using ENS or puppy culture programs with their pups. Doodle critics often point out that no reputable line of poodle or other breed that they're being crossed with would ever sell a dam or sire to a doodle breeding program. So therefore, the stock is flawed that they're starting from. This is becoming less the case, and doodle lines like the Australian Labradoodle are becoming longer with more to select from to cross. The official organizations do act 
as gatekeepers to each doodle mix being acknowledged as a breed. Remember, those mixes do need to do so one by one, as doodles are not a monolith. In order to create a breed standard and get some respect in the canine community, some groups have tried to disassociate themselves from the doodle trend. As I discussed in episode 14, All About Labradoodles, the amounts of clubs and associations developed and disbanding regarding Labradoodles is quite overwhelming and would be a whole series of episodes in itself. And again, that's just since the 1980s. People are very passionate about their Labradoodles and trying to preserve the original purpose of the breed as service and therapy animals. Some of those really feel like the mix went off the rails without a standard, including their famous creator, Wally himself. After Australian Labradoodles had started with the Cocker Spaniel infusion, the Irish soft-coated Wheaton was infused in some Labradoodle lines in 2004. This was done to avoid the chronic ear infections many doodle families are familiar with today and create a stockier build. Beverly Rutland Manners claims to be the mastermind behind that cross and what would later be called the Australian Cobber Dog. Her website states, not many people know this, but when I submitted the developing pure breed for acknowledgement by the Master Dog Breeders and Associates, MTBA, in 2011, it was under the name Australian Labradoodle. The MTBA advises me that the name has such a stigma attached to it, it would never be accepted by any all-breeds pure dog registry in the world, including the MTBA but they also said that my very lengthy submission and meticulous records would be accepted if I came up with a different name. Beverly explained that cobber is a colloquial term for buddy or friend in Australia, so she changed the name to Australian Cobber Dog. As many breeds become distinctly different from their original heritage, Cobber Dog loyalists argue their breed is not an oodle or a doodle mix at all. In fact, they are the first mix with poodles that has created their own DNA sequence, stud registry, and breed standard to be formally recognized as a breed in development in modern times. When I pulled Cobber Dog families, I was struck by the resistance to being lumped in with doodles. Owners wanted to push back on the common saying that their Cobber Dogs were Australian Labradoodles, but special. I think this is the beginning of a trend that we will see across many doodle mixes where they will create their own lines and registries. Northern Utah breeder Alicia Hobson recently told the Wall Street Journal that when she and a group of Golden Doodle and Labradoodle breeders teamed up a few years ago to write a new breed standard for their dogs under a new name, the Bearded Retriever, they formed the Bearded Retriever Club of America to take doodles in a new direction. I predict that Cobber Dogs and the Bearded Retriever Club are the beginning of trends of creating breed standards and registries for individual doodle mixes. The doodle explosion has also completely changed the dog grooming industry, and they're still in the middle of adjusting. Unfortunately, groomers are usually the ones who have to break the news that people's dogs are experiencing very painful and unhealthy matting and they're being attacked as the messengers. For the full story on groomers, listen to episode three of this podcast for a full breakdown of what's going on with grooming industry, prices, and what's driving them to turn away doodles. Trainers are frequently frustrated by what they often find a mismatch between the high-energy, extended puppyhood, and demanding coat maintenance of doodles and first-time pet owners' expectations. 
Additionally, coat colors that are extra popular right now, like Merle from Aussies or Red from Field and Golden lines, carry even higher levels of energy and exercise needs. Doodles are not a single breed, or even officially a breed. This is why I do my bonus breakdowns where I share in detail the difference between each doodle mix. The more informed we doodle parents are and the higher standards we expect of our breeders, I hope will mean less frustration we'll receive from pet professionals. And by voicing why our doodles are a match for so many of us to pet professionals and their unique benefits, I hope that will mean more understanding from them as well. I respect doodle parents. I respect groomers, veterinarians, trainers. I think all of us are doing the best with what we know. And by increasing the knowledge that all of us have regarding doodles, we can all do better by these special dogs. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Doodle Pro Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And I invite you to follow me on Instagram at the Doodle Pro for behind the scenes peeks at all of the adorable doodles I work with daily.